0: From VOA, Press Conference USA, here is your host, Carol Castillo. Welcome to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our guest on this edition of the program is Lue Rose Luce. She's the author of a new book covering the 2019 Hong Kong protests. An assistant professor at the School of Communication at Hong Kong Baptist University in Hong Kong, Rose Luce conducts research on censorship, propaganda, and social movements. She received her Ph.D. in mass communication from Pennsylvania State University, and she has also been a Nieman Fellow at Harvard University. For 20 years, Rose Luce was a television journalist covering international events such as the Arab Spring democracy protests and the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Gaza. Every major media outlet in the world covered the 2019 protests in Hong Kong against the anti-extradition bill movement. Even I covered this event here at the Voice of America in 2019. Journalists covering the protests were subjected to political pressure, violent attacks, criticism, and on occasion were praised for their bravery. Well-known academic and journalist Rose Luce was among those who experienced the protests firsthand. Observers say her book is a timely analysis of the role of journalists in the production of news content about social movements and their treatment at a time when press freedom globally is increasingly under threat. And Rose Luce joins us from Hong Kong via Microsoft Teams. Welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Rose, first of all, congratulations on your new book. And let me ask you, what prompted you to write about these extraordinary protests that the world witnessed in 2019? Explain the political context which triggered the protests. Of course, we know the extradition bill, but explain the extradition bill and how that triggered these massive Demonstrations in 2019 that then prompted you to write about them.
1: So the extradition bill, which means the Hong Kong and mainland China will have the right to exchange fugitive, uh, is causing a lot of a concern about the Hong Kong people. Because they worry about under different political system and legal system, human rights of Hong Kong people will not be protected. So people will worry about that because under one country, two systems, Hong Kong and the mainland China are totally different, and also have impact on the one country, two system and the autonomy of Hong Kong. So that's why trigger the protest. And after the government withdraw the bill, but it also causing other new problems because of how Hong Kong police dealing with the protests. So the public are asking for independent investigation about how police are dealing with the protests. And also there is a very fundamental demand it's calling for universal suffrage, which means the Legislative council election should be one people, one vote, which called the Gini election. But this kind of demand has been increased in 2014, the Embraer movement, but it's also included in 2019 uh, protests. So because it lasted like several months, and for journalists who covered this protest became very challenging. And also because of the media landscape in Hong Kong, you will see in Hong Kong, there are different forms of media. Some of them are controlled by Beijing. Some of them are like more independent. And also Hong Kong is the media hub. Because of the protests, international media pay a lot of attention. And also because of technology, there is a new form like digital media and also student media and independent journalists. They all cover these protest. So this makes uh, like uh, it be worse to study what is the role of the journalists and how they adapt to this kind of very intense situation. Because before covering protests, it seems like less challenging for the journalists because they only needed to concern about how to do the story. But nowadays, because of a polarized society for the journalists, they have to face a lot of distrust and uh, intimidation psychologically and physically. In a lot of places in the world, society became more polarized and a lot of direct attacks against the journalists because of less trust from the public.
0: Well, Rose, thank you for giving us a description of what triggered these protests to begin with, this extradition bill, which was indefinitely suspended, but that did not mollify the protesters who wanted it to be withdrawn entirely. And certainly, Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, is still there, and the protesters had called for her resignation. So we greatly appreciate your explaining what prompted you to write the book.
1: For me personally, I feel it's more difficult than compared with covering like war or conflict. Because of covering war in a war zone, it means uh, you're not in the crowded every day. But if you're covering protests in the city, like in Hong Kong, for several months, which means you have to be uh, surrounded by crowds. Facing police became more and more tough by using a lot of uh, hard strategy against the protesters and also journalists. And you also have to face a lot of hostile among different people because of the political reason the city became very polarized when people are became polarized in the one city usually they will vent their anger against the journalists so it became very very challenging for journalists to do this job as you cover carol you covered far away from hong kong but i think as a journalist you would definitely feel that kind of tension for journalists doing their field work
0: No, absolutely. And we remember well that this extradition bill would have allowed extraditions to mainland China. And many people, obviously, in Hong Kong saw this as unacceptable and a slippery slope to eroding even more freedoms that they enjoyed under one country, two systems, the basic law. And we'll talk more about how these freedoms of press and assembly and other freedoms are being eroded ever since 2019, and we note also that the Hong Kong security forces came under widespread criticism, as I suggested in the introduction. They used excessive tear gas and rubber bullets against these demonstrators. You know, so many came to the streets, at least two million, you know, out of a population of 7.4 million. It was really extraordinary to witness from afar. And I wanna ask you, Rose Luce, you mentioned that the protesters were a bit suspicious of the journalists. See, I would have thought that they might have seen the journalists as somehow allies documenting their opposition to what Carrie Lam at the time was proposing. And also, you know, the terrible crackdown. Talk about the interrelationship between the protesters and people like you, journalists covering. Was it antagonistic or was it somehow a little more friendly?
1: I think this is highly related to the trusted news words uh, or credibility of the news media in the city. For example, in Hong Kong, because of the press freedom, were deteriorated for a long time after Hanover. So people became more and more skeptical on the news media so when the journalists be doing their job on the street and in the front line they have to face a lot of untrustedness or doubt from the protesters both sides for people who support pro democrat camps they were worried journalists will be using their camera as the tool to record but for the camp who supported beijing They will also dislike those journalists because they think they just provide a biased report on their behavior. So then they will make them less popular among the public. So you will see journalists stuck in the middle, although a majority of them are trying to do the job objectively or neutrally but as you see for both sides as we always talk about there is a theory it's called a hostile media effect it's like both sides distrust the media so they just think the media always be biased to each other so that will cause a lot of problems and also you talk about like how police are using very hawkish tactics towards protests and also the journalists. So tear gas and uh, rubber bullets, it became like a new norm for uh, journalists on the street. They have to face that almost every day. And also the police are not like uh, supportive as before. They just treat uh, journalists as the sort of like enemy because for the police, they were saying Journalists in the front line, some of them are part of the protesters. So some of them have choose their stance, so they will not be neutral. So then, uh, reading the hostility against the journalists, which make uh, journalists in a very dangerous position.
0: I see. So some of the journalists were seen as sympathetic to the movement and they were also targets for the police is that correct
1: yeah i think it's just because at the same time you're the citizen of this city so it's totally different as you cover protests in other cities for example when I was cover protests in U.S. or in uh, Thailand or in uh, Arab countries, you, you totally feel detached with the uh, local content because you're not a part of the city or part of the country, and you can do it like uh, remotely and be more calm or neutral. But if you're being part of the city, this is your home, and you definitely would be more difficult to control your emotion, especially, definitely, every journalist have their own political view, and they have their own thoughts on how the police dealing with the protesters. So that's causing, I think, extra difficult for journalists trying to do their job professionally. But... We see this very intense situation because it lasts several months. It's not like just a few days and you just cover assignment for a short time. It's a long time and you will suffer a lot of issues with your fellow citizens. So that will be very difficult. But on the other hand, because of, uh, as I mentioned in my book, there's different types of uh, news media in Hong Kong. We have like a mainstream media, so they divided into like some news media considered as pro-democratic, but some of the news media consider as pro-Beijing. So because of their political stance, so it will be also create a lot of problems for journalists to be on the street. Because, as I said before, people who support the Beijing or people who on the other camp, they were considered journalists who would be biased against them. And also, because of the press freedom in Hong Kong, because the majority of the mainstream media Almost all the mainstream media, except one or two, like one newspaper, Apple Daily, already disappeared. So directly or indirectly controlled by Beijing. So journalists on the streets, they have limited autonomy, and they were a lot of constrained from the newsroom. So after the public read the story, sometimes they would think it's it's not fair or biased. So they will also increase their distrust on the journalists. Although, actually, a majority of the journalists on the street, on the field, they're trying to do their job very professionally. But there's a lot of constraints and less autonomy for individual journalists, especially working for mainstream media. In Hong Kong, it is different from mainland China. So although when we talk about, like, a mainstream media, they're directly or indirect controlled by Beijing, but it still have a free flow of information. So internet are not censored. So there's a lot of digital media, small scale, but they played a very important role in covering these protests. They just provide alternative voices. But the, there's also problems for these digital media because all journalists are not well-trained. And compared with like a professional journalist, sometimes they were also causing some controversial. So the government sometimes were using those controversial, trying to discredit the journalists, which are also causing problems for them to be on the street. First of all, they have to face a hostility from the police and then also distrust from the public.
0: Very difficult for journalists clearly being caught, in a sense, in the middle between the protest movements, some of whom distrusted the journalists because perhaps they thought they were more pro-Beijing. And of course, because of the police thinking, you know, somehow they're part of the movement. So they're sort of attacked by both sides. But we'll have more in just a moment. You're listening to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our guest is Louie Rose Luce, she's author of a new book covering the 2019 Hong Kong protests, and she joins us via Microsoft Teams from her home in Hong Kong. I'm Carol Castiel, and this is a reminder that our Press Conference USA podcast is available for free download on our website at voanews.com slash PCUSA. You may also follow us on Twitter or connect with us on Facebook at Carol Castiel VOA. Well here's a shout out to one of our most loyal listeners Johnson Abiwuglame from Accra, Ghana. If you want to hear your name and home country on the air please send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or like us and leave a comment on our Facebook page. Well back to our special guest who joins us from Hong Kong Rose Luce, she's the author of a new book covering the 2019 Hong Kong protests. So, Rose, let me ask you, how did you go about you know, conducting research for the book?
1: So, I think I was lucky I conducted the interview in 2019 and 2020. So, actually, nowadays, currently, I think maybe 20 or 30 percent of the uh, interviewees the veteran journalists already left to Hong Kong. Some of them migrated to England, some of them to Taiwan. And also, the says, still remember, vividly remember my ending parts as the, my last chapter is about Apple Daily journalists and worry about the future. But he said he would insist to be keyword hold on and try his best to be a journalist to uh, reporting the the truth for hong kong people in the future but unfortunately now epigree is dead or disappeared and the owner and the founder of Apple daily is in jail including other top editorial management person so yeah i just feel a little bit frustrated with that but on the other hand, I feel it's the worst to do the research because their voice, their stories, journalists' stories, and the news media stories in Hong Kong, the worst to be recorded because it's part of the history, and it's a very important thing.
0: There's no question about it. It's in a very important documentation that you have undertaken, and I wonder now if you could talk about the status today of journalists and give us a sense of how things have deteriorated and become much more under the thumb of apparently beijing in hong kong and how that has affected your morale what is the status of the press today
1: because of the national security law so i think a lot of media say we be much much more cautious especially on issues related to china for example, recently there's a uh, sexual harassment accusation cases, Me Too cases in China. It's called about, it's the female tennis player, Pen Shui, accusate a very senior CCP official, Zhang Gaoli, Li, about unconsented sexual misconduct. So interestingly, we see in Hong Kong, only a very few media, and another the mainstream media, a very few media cover the story. This would never happen before because Hong Kong is the hub for the news on China, especially a lot of the scandals or uh, so-called negative news deemed by the Chinese government or sensitive news deemed by the Chinese government were not able to be reported by the Chinese mainland news organizations or outlets as they would be reported by Hong Kong media. But this is a huge fundamental change and a lot of uh, issues related to China, if the media seems to be sensitive, for many reasons, they were stopped covering that. One other reason, I think, is because of the national security law. Because there is no detail about what is the red line, but based on previous experiences or conventional wisdom, so something about senior officials of uh, CCP or the state leaders of China, scandals might trigger the problem. It might be violate the national security law because that can be deemed as the state secrets. Or, yes. So, so nobody knows. So you exactly. Say, so, you would say, uh, huge changes. And a lot of the digital media, as I mentioned, they played a very important role. And also the, the students' media. They played a very important role during the protests, covering protests. Now, majority of them disappeared or they announced to close their outlets because nobody want to join. And also a lot of concern of the safety issue. So yeah, that's the current situation. It's yes. only maybe only one uh digital media a large-scale digital media but the is, the chief editor uh, i mentioned it in, uh, in my book as a standard news but the chief editor just uh, resigned because of, he said it's the personal reason but it says his wife was the uh, senior management of the Apple daily and uh, is in jail currently so that will also create a lot of cheating effects so it's uh, for media workers, the chilling effect is the most, I mean, scary thing because you never know what will happen.
0: Yes. Well, speaking of that, I want to step back real quickly, Rose Luce. Remind us of the national security law. Again, another repressive tactic by Beijing. Describe what that is and how that has very adversely affected the media environment.
1: National security law criminalizes any act of secession which means breaking away from the country, subversion, undermining the power of authority of the central government, terrorism, and collusion with foreign or external forces. I don't think the Hong Kong media, if you have this same opportunity to do the investigation, but I don't think that will happen again. Uh, Pan case is uh, one of the examples See how cautious uh, the media are and also collusion with foreign or external forces. There's no very detailed or clear collaboration on that. That also made a lot of journalists worry about that. So if they interview some dissidents overseas, or if they talk to or interview some of foreign international organizations, or organizations which deemed as anti-China by the Chinese government, with that causing trouble for them, so I talked to a lot of journalists I and mean, after the research currently, uh, they all worried about their, who they will be able to talk to, and they just don't know where the red line is. When you don't know where is the red line, which means, you have to self-censor and to be more careful about the assignments or, or to. It be more careful about the sources, about your story.
0: What about international journalists? Are there journalists from other countries posted in Hong Kong? And how much freedom do they have or not?
1: Yeah, I have one chapter about the international journalists, how they cover the protests. And actually, now currently, there are less international correspondents based in Hong Kong. One of the reasons is visa issue. So some of my friends, have to force to leave Hong Kong to Korea or Taiwan because they were not able to get their visa to be extended. And the other reason why general international journalists leave Hong Kong, it's because of the safety concern. It's just because of national security law. And when the international media reports some some. Uh, so-called sensitive issues or scandal related to uh, very senior figures in Chinese government. So whether that or talk to people deemed as anti-China. So would that causing a lot of trouble or causing a lot of safety? So that's causing a lot of safety concern. So some of the international outlets, they just transferred their staff to other places. But That would be a problem. Because if uh, without journalists based in Hong Kong being more close to mainland China, it would be I think it would be very difficult for journalists to report Hong Kong and China more accurately or in depth.
0: What do you think journalists abroad, those who have much more freedom and other organizations, Human Rights Watch, what else can we do overseas, you know, to help and support the media environment in Hong Kong or the U.S. government? The government is stuck, as we say, between a rock and a hard place because of the relationship with China. There's a lot of controversy over how far the United States should go with respect to championing human rights and press freedom, because that could antagonize Beijing, and they won't then help us on whether it's North Korea or climate or whatever. You know, it's not an easy trade off, but what more do you think should be done and could be done?
1: You just impose a very difficult question for me to answer. So one of the courts of National Security Law is talking okay, about collusion with the foreign or external forces. So if I talk about how you <laughs> I, I see. government, how to help. So that is according, yeah. So I understand. But I want to say is, like you can see a lot of uh, journalists in Hong Kong, they're trying very hard trying to do as much as they can. So although the mainstream media is maybe totally controlled or a lot of a constraint, so you will see some of the journalists, they just form a small uh, scale like online platform and trying to provide more alternative voices on certain issues. Of course, there's a lot of uh, concern and also the access to information because if you're not working for mainstream media or so-called professional media and you're working for uh, online digital media, which not considered as the news media by the government, so you were limited access to a lot of uh, information. But this is, you can see this might be the future of Hong Kong because compared with mainland China, there's still a free internet. So when you have the free internet and also people have that willingness to get more information, so you still have uh, some chance to do more things, to report, choose, and to provide alternative voices for the uh, Hong Kong people.
0: Talk about what platforms you're using if you can. Are you using Facebook, Twitter? or other platforms being used or would you rather not say? But you're saying that it is very effective.
1: Yeah. In Hong Kong, the old social media platform you mentioned are afraid to be used. And uh, also for safety concern, a lot of the people started to use like Telegram and signal. Privacy issue and safety issue are the main concern by a lot of people, especially after the protest, and also lack of trust of the government. So yeah, that's the uh, current situation. So again, compared with mainland China, Hong Kong, although we would say the media system of Hong Kong used to be libertarian, but now it's more and more towards to authoritarian. But this is compared with uh, like authoritarian and media system, those countries, Hong Kong still enjoys some freedom, especially the uh, internet freedom.
0: As we close, Rose, please feel free to talk about any other aspect of your book that you want to underscore, that you want to highlight so that people can look for it on Amazon or whatever platform in order to read it. Are you equally optimistic or somewhat pessimistic about the trajectory of your international city with regard to holding on to some semblance of autonomy and civil liberties? Even as Beijing seems to stretch its tentacles even more and more into Hong Kong,
1: I just want to add one thing: as Hong Kong do provide an uh, example how fragile open society is. So, for open society, you have to tolerate all kinds of voices and messages, especially like propaganda, government propaganda. So, but for a closed society, it's like uh, it's very difficult to send your message to that. So I think Hong Kong, how Beijing controlled the media and how media played a role during the protests and after the protests and why the government tightens their control on media again, which means it shows how important press freedom is, especially for social movement. And also shows how important the independent voices, the independent generalizer in the society, because the Hong Kong cases shows in the open society, when they towards like more and more authoritarian, Hong Kong do provide an example of how open society will be easily to be targeted and attacked. So it should be well prepared. Hong Kong might be a little bit different because it's under one country, two systems, right? But for other open societies, they should be more aware to raise the awareness about how fragile open society is.
0: The book is covering the 2019 Hong Kong protests. The author, Rose Luay Luce. Rose, congratulations on your very important book, and thanks so much for sharing your stories with us press conference usa on the voice of america was produced in washington with technical assistance from rick pantaleo i'm carol castiel join me again next week for another press conference usa on the voice of america